I don't think people fully realize the boldness and courage it takes to make so many of those steps that you've taken. Katrina, can you talk a little bit about where that came from? Were you always just like, you know what, I'm going to go out and do my own thing no matter what people think? Because, I mean, like, I think you listed like five different areas where I don't think there were people leading in any of those areas. And you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Where did that come from? Yeah, like... Like science media wasn't a, an established career path. It, it is kind of a little bit more now, but back in college, I was I was at first attempting to double major in physics and astronomy, and then was really missing having the, the arts in there. And so I created my own degree. They had an interdisciplinary studies degree program where you could basically make up your own degree by combining different subject areas. And so I made a degree with planetary science, astronomy, media arts, and theater arts. And so it's constantly been just kind of trying to forge my own path and, and trying to figure out ways to, to do the things I'm interested in and to tell the stories that I'm interested in. That's Katrina Jackson, director of a rom-com. We're talking bravery. We're talking a new kind of romantic comedy. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Ducek. A rom-com is a whole new type of film, and I'm here for it. The story of a rom-com is the story of bravery from two amazing filmmakers and giving people who don't normally see themselves in a romantic comedy the ability to be seen. In this episode, I talk with Katrina and Catherine Bobolek, the producer, about the boldness associated with this film, creating a wholly original story in a trope-heavy genre. The film needs to be seen, and so do the aromantic and asexual individuals that are represented in it. Let's meet the filmmakers. joined today by Katrina Jackson, writer, director, editor of A Rom-Com, and Catherine Bobolek, producer. So glad to have both of you on to talk about such an original film. Catherine, starting with you, can you talk about how you got a love for filmmaking and what your formative memories of A Rom-Com as a genre were? So I remember falling in love with filmmaking is that I was in sixth grade and there was a project of doing a book report, but it was a creative project. And I was like, it'd be so much easier if I could just go take this video camera and go film the book. And I really love film and I've kind of been in love with it ever since. And I didn't realize till the end of high school, that could be like actual career path. <laughs> so <laughs> it was me trying to cheat work of writing by doing films for projects in school for like six years the formative rom yeah the formative rom-com i would have to say is pride and prejudice we don't usually think of it as that one but it was like written as a comedy and i remember the 2005 one with matthew mcfaden and kira knightley being like this is this is so funny but it's also so good and so i think it's perhaps the original rom-com if you want to dive that deep into it absolutely katrina yeah so I don't particularly come from a filmmaking background, I, but I was always interested in the intersection between science and entertainment. Like growing up, my favorite show was The Magic School Bus. And then in high school, I wanted to be both an astronaut and an actor. And so then in college, I decided to combine <laughs> those interests to pursue science media. And at the time, my goal was to one day create my own science TV show, like set in a high school science club where I would star as the wacky science teacher. And, wow. and then I went on to get a, yeah, and then I went on to get a master's degree in space studies, and I worked at NASA as a science video producer. 
But as I've grown older, I've been kind of finding other things besides just space and science that I find to be interesting and important. Like I wanted to start pursuing stories at the intersection of science and social justice issues. So I, a, a couple of years ago, I, I made a whole YouTube documentary talking about queer experiences in astronomy and kind of the history and, and policies behind the naming of the James Webb Space Telescope, who was named after a NASA administrator who, who was a high-level government official during the Lavender Scare when people were being targeted and, and persecuted for, be, for being suspected homosexuals. And so that was a, a really interesting, important project. And, and, and then I've been, a, a large part of the reason why I decided to try to pursue making this film is trying to find an outlet to express myself and to try to tell parts of my own story, which is something that I've always struggled to do. And, and so trying to find outlets to do that and in, 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 in a way that maybe isn't explicitly saying this is my story, but is, is kind of showcasing it through something fictional. And I also wanted to create some more representation for people who aren't typically represented on screen and in media. Wow. That, that's such a great story. And I don't think people fully realize the boldness and courage it takes to make so many of those steps that you've taken. Katrina, can you talk a little bit about where that came from? Were you always just like, you know what, I'm going to go out and do my own thing no matter what people think? Because I mean, like, I think you listed like five different areas where I don't think there were people leading in any of those areas. And you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Where did that come from? Yeah, like... Like science media wasn't a, an established career path. It, it is kind of a little bit more now, but back in college, I was I was at first attempting to double major in physics and astronomy, and then was really missing having the the arts in there. And so I created my own degree. They had an interdisciplinary studies degree program where you could basically make up your own degree by combining different subject areas. And so I made a degree with planetary science, astronomy, media arts, and theater arts. And so it's constantly been just kind of trying to forge my own path and, and trying to figure out ways to to do the things I'm interested in and to tell the stories that I'm interested in. Wow, that's so impressive. And it's a perfect segue into a rom-com. Katrina, can you talk a little bit about what people should expect to see and what you want them to see when they watch the film? Yeah, so with a rom-com, we say it right at the top of our Steven Spark page that people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums deserve a rom-com too. Hi, I'm Katrina Jackson, and those voices you heard were just some of the many responses we got when we put out a casting call for our Icelandic rom-com featuring characters on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. A rom-com is a platonic meet-cute where a lone traveler is reconnected with their GoPro thanks to a nosy woman who looked through their entire memory card. And that might sound maybe counterintuitive at first. Like, why would people who don't experience romantic and sexual attraction in a typical manner want a romantic comedy? But I, I feel like the core of a rom-com is providing a wish fulfillment story where we see characters create a connection with each other that gives them happiness. And there are usually some sort of twists and turns in there and obstacles thrown in their way, but you know that these characters are going to end up together and have a happy ending. And I think that that's pretty much a, a, universe, a universal wish that desires to have human connection and to be happy. And so I wanted to provide this kind of wish fulfillment story for people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums because, because aspect people have been told 
their entire lives, and really everyone has been told their entire lives, that essentially the only way to be happy and to get that happy ending is through romance. And that's what, that's what kind of permeates throughout all of our stories. And that's really what our society is based around. Like if you think about marriage, it's considered such a, a life milestone. Like it's the one thing that all the people in your life agree that they can recognize as a legitimate occasion to gather in person and to celebrate. So for people who might not experience that type of attraction or who maybe don't want that kind of relationship or even maybe people who do want that kind of relationship but aren't able to find it, I think that they might worry at some point in their lives that maybe they're just not going to get a happy ending or maybe they're just going to have to be alone their whole life. So I, I wanted to create a story where platonic attraction is shown to be just as valuable and just as exciting and just as rewarding as romantic and sexual attraction and to allow characters on the aromantic and asexual spectrums to find companionship and happiness. Wow. And I think even and the, the idea of the rom-com itself is such like I think such a tightly organized genre. Like I, you know, sci-fi, action, all have sort of maybe varying tropes, but a rom-com is probably the most trope-heavy like specified genre that there is and to break out of that is truly impressive. Catherine, when you go and explain this film to people and you want to get people involved, what's your reaction? Like I don't think I've heard like anything as original as a rom-com. It's definitely a shock because if you some people <laughs> right. still are not very aware of what like aromantic and asexual sort of identities entail. So sometimes it's breaking down that for people first, but then it's like, well, that's just such a genre that's embedded with like the idea of romance. It's like, well, if you take out the key points of the steps, it's still the genre. It's just taking out the part of are people in love at the end and going to end up in like a romantic relationship. It can still, it's still a very effective plot line to that. And what I think is also a surprise is that we are currently kind of in mainstream media, still the point where aromantic and asexuals are talked about in an awareness sort of factor, kind of how like queer people were in the early 2000s in television. So telling stories that aren't just about this is what an asexual and aromantic person is and telling actual stories of people is a, a big step and people get very interested in that as well. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, such a good way to think about it because I think there is some element of this, right, that is both innovative filmmaking, but also explanatory in a way, Katrina, like you're sort of like making this film, but it's also like explaining something to people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. As Catherine was talking about with this story, we are trying to not be explicitly explanatory. It's, it's really created more for people in the aromantic and asexual communities. And so it's not like explaining, this is what aromanticism is. We don't, at no point in the, in the scripts do we have like a, a definition spelled out, but it's, there should be enough context clues for, for people who are not aware of, of, of the aromantic and asexual spectrums to, to figure out what's going on. But yeah, we wanted to create a story that's, that people in the aromantic and asexual spectrums could could enjoy and and see their see see themselves in. Awesome. So, what was the decision to use Seed and Spark? So, when Katrina, I imagine you've written this script for a while. It's been around in your mind for a little bit. Can you talk me through like what happened and then possibly how you got connected with Catherine and then you guys decided to go through crowdfunding through Seed and Spark? Yeah. So 
I had written this script a couple of years ago as it was just as part of a writing exercise with a group of hobbyist filmmakers. And then last year I was working on a, a series of short films through Women in Film and Video. And I was the editor on two of those films. I was a, a small acting role in another one. And as I was wow. making these connections and getting more film experience, I was thinking about, well, maybe can I actually make this script that I wrote a couple of years ago that I think would be a really cool story to tell? And so early last fall, I started trying to reach out to some contacts to see if there would be a partner who would be willing to produce this with me. And I, I tried a few, few few different people before I reached out to Catherine, and they were too busy to take this on, but also they didn't seem to fully get it, get, get the story. Catherine was a technical director on the, the film that I had that small acting role in. And so when I was looking at her LinkedIn and her website, I saw that not only does she produce, but she explicitly put in her bio that she's interested in telling asexual stories. And so I'm like, well... That's fortuitous. <laughs> that, that's really perfect. And so I, I reached out to her and luckily she was excited about the project too. And as far as crowdfunding goes, uh, one of the other films I'd worked on with the editing, I had worked on a Stephen Spark campaign for that. And so this, that was a platform I was familiar with. And so I, and the Stephen Spark platform has all sorts of resources for learning about crowdfunding and they've got their video class series. So that was kind of my plan from the get to get go is to try to crowdfund this through Seed and Spark. And so I was learning as much as I could about crowdfunding strategies. And I figured that once we get this out into, once we get the campaign out into the asexual and romantic community, since there is so little representation, my hope is that this is going to be a film that a lot of people in that that community are going to be excited to get behind and support. And so that's why I was hopeful that the crowdfunding route would work, would work for work well for us. That's awesome. And the promo video is excellent. I loved watching it and it really captured the story that you're trying to tell. Catherine, have you produced films that have crowdfunded before? What are your thoughts on crowdfunding in general as a way to produce a film? Crowdfunding is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't personally right? love it. It's, it's just so, so horrible scary. just going around and having to ask like friends, family. They're like, make sure you ask, you know, everyone, you know, and you know, it's just like, that's such a, that's such a hard feeling for people that are not used to like asking for anything, you know? Oh, it's like <laughs> as a producer director, I'm usually in charge of things. I have control over the flow of things of how most of it goes. So even crowdfunding is very scary to me because it's like I prep everything and then it just put it out there and you have to hope for the best and like you can you can bother people you can message people but it ends up being their own decision at the end so it's just do they like you are you convincing have you put out an interesting story there's a lot of factors in there that's a very personal thing of whether people choose to donate that's such a great point Catherine because I think like in so many of our worlds we're in control of absolutely everything that happens one way or another. But with crowdfunding, right, you're basically saying, here's my vision, you know, put it out in the world and and you have very limited control over how people respond to it. <laughs> when can people expect to see the film, Catherine? Like what are your plans in terms of production and the next steps? Assuming the crowdfunding will be successful. 
assuming the crowdfunding successful, we are shooting at the end of February. And I think we are looking at starting to submit in the summer to festivals to see if we can get anything for early fall or next winter, because, you know, the festival cycle is is a little bit of a wait. But I think that's the current plan we're going for in if all goes well, we should try to have this film finished by the summer and submit to a few festivals. But also my primary goal is to get this film onto YouTube so that A-spec people all across the globe can easily access it. And so we'll be trying to look for festivals that accept films that are published online. And, and when I was looking at you know Film Freeway several months ago before we started this whole production process. It did look like, look like there are some f- festivals that accept films regardless of distribution. So uh, my hope is to g- get film into some of those festivals as well as posting it on YouTube. Katrina, are there any festivals specifically geared towards this topic or is it such a new topic really for films that there's really nothing other than perhaps ones that are geared towards LGBTQ films? I have not seen anything specifically for asexual and aromantic topics. So we'd probably be looking at the LGBTQ and and various local festivals as well. Back to the decision about crowdfunding, I was I was also looking into if there are any grant opportunities. And there were uh, there were not nearly as many LGBTQ film grants as I was expecting to find. And I wasn't able to find any that, you know, fit the time frame of when you're wanting to make the film and or that would like some of them are specifically for students or other eligibility requirements that we didn't quite match. And and Catherine has said in some of our conversations before that even some of the ones that are for for LGBTQ topics might not consider asexual and aromantic films because it like in, in general, the asexual and aromantic spectrums are not a hundred percent always kind of accepted within the queer community. So yeah, it's a little tricky trying to, to find established festivals and, and grants where this would be something that they're interested in. It's just blowing me away how remarkable Katrina and Catherine, what you're doing is like, you're not only like innovating rom-com, but you're like creating a whole genre of film. Like, isn't it amazing? Like I'm sure you've heard from, people that feel seen by this that have not yet seen like a a rom-com or any sort of film that really touched upon these topics. Yeah. Yeah. So when we put out the casting call, we we posted it in in various local Facebook groups and some like queer audition groups. And the response to that was actually really overwhelming. We got about 50 submissions just within the first day. And then we we ended up cutting it off at 76 submissions by the end of the week. And we had a, a form for people to to submit their their resume and everything. And there's also a question on the form about why you're interested in why you're interested in this film. And there are all sorts of answers from people in the queer community and several people from within the aromantic and asexual communities who were just really excited to see a project like this happening. So so yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of people out there who I think are going to be excited for this. As far as other films that depict something like this, there was one short film I watched. It was several years ago. I think it was a student film called Zucchini, which is kind of similar in that it's 
it's two people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums who meet and form a connection. And by the end of it, they decide to form a queer platonic relationship. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, it's, it's often described as a relationship that's somewhere between a friendship and a romantic relationship where it's, it's not romantic. They might live together. They might, they might cuddle. They might like even raise children together. It's, it's a different type of relationship that some people want to pursue. And so, and, and sometimes people refer to their partner as, as Zucchini. And so that was the name of that film. So there, there have been various other like independent, maybe small budget films, but definitely not, definitely not anything in, in mainstream media that, that we've seen. Unbelievable. This is so exciting. So Catherine, I think, I saw that you're planning on filming in the DC area. Can you talk a little bit about what the challenges, excitement of that is? Are there a lot of actors, crew available in DC? Like, what are your thoughts on the filming in DC? Filming in DC is really interesting because we have one of the largest like production hubs for documentary in the country. And so with that, and we also, DC is like the highest theaters per capita. So we have a lot of people who are very talented in production and a lot of really talented actors, but they don't often get to link up together to make like narrative filmmaking. It's a lot of industrial and documentary work. So people get really excited and invested when they see a narrative project, especially like where it's LGBTQIA sort of projects, because a lot of people in the acting community have friends or identify that way. So it's been really like not as hard as as people would think to find that community to get it made with the people power. The shooting part's a little different because we are, whenever you recreate another country in a different country, like we're doing for this one, you have to find things that not only and in a snowstorm, refl- In a snowstorm, yeah. <laughs> you have to find things that feel like that country without sort of, you know, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit, but you have to sort of, we're looking for places that create sort of an Icelandic vibe to them. Katrina had a very strong vision for the place she got, the part of the story that is based off her life where she got trapped in a gym in Iceland during a snowstorm. And so we were looking very hard for something that reflects that. We ended up going with this really cute community center in Maryland that it's not exactly, you know, a basketball situation, but it is everything else is the right energy about it. But the snow part, that's going to be fun. We were really sort of like praying above for getting the snow on the weekend we wanted it to, but it does not look like that's going to be in for the cards for us. It's probably going to be, unless you want to put the good energy out there, 50 degrees and raining the weekend we wanted (laughs) snow. But there are ways to make snow. There's like different powder packs. There are things that look like snow when you hydrate it There's and they don't melt. So there's in ways that's more of a benefit that we get to kind of sculpt our own, but the other way is nice because mother nature's free. (laughs) That's so exciting. And Katrina, it sounds like you have a very specific vision of how you want the film to look. So like Catherine was saying, a lot of this is based on real events that I experienced in Iceland because, you know, they say write what you know. And so I, I was... If I'm writing it based off of real things that happened to me, I know that this can really happen. So I, I really did lose a GoPro on a glacier in Iceland and then experience driving through these whiteout blizzard conditions and then get stuck in this small town called Vic for a while where the Icelandic Red Cross ended up putting people up in the gym because the roads were closed and there were no more accommodations for people to stay in. So 
I've been, yeah, so we've been trying to find places that kind of recreate this a bit and, and using some of the, the footage that I had from my actual vacation to try to establish the Icelandic location. And, and you can see some of that at, at the beginning of our pitch video. So, so yeah, that, that, that's what we're trying to recreate here. Amazing. I can't wait to see it. So indie filmmakers need to be thinking 500 steps ahead. I know you're crowdfunding currently, but starting with you, Katrina, can you each talk sort of about like if there's any other projects that you're working on or where you, any other sort of things that you'd like to highlight? At the moment, I'm very focused on this project. It's taking up pretty much all of my time. I have vague ideas for a possible sequel if this film goes well, nice. because the when I lost my GoPro on the glacier, that was actually the second time I had lost this GoPro in a, in a weird location and gotten it back. The The first time was actually at the bottom of the ocean off the coast of Dominica. <laughs> and <What? laughs> I don't want to spoil the sequel, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, Catherine's probably going to hate me if I ask for an underwater shoot. But... <laughs> 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 but I, and I have big ideas of like possible themes to explore in, if we were to do a sequel. I don't have an exact plot yet. Other than that, I, I'm, I might be trying to work on another documentary with the Just Space Alliance, which was the organization that I had made the James Webb Space Telescope documentary for. Um, we don't have any firm plans yet. If we were to do this new documentary, the goal would be to actually find funding for it. Because the first documentary I made with them, I did it completely on zero budget, just as a volunteer. Yeah, I can't time. do that on an ongoing basis. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome. And Catherine? I have a couple of things going on. I, with a writing partner I met in 2018, who's an actor, we wrote a TV show. And we made informational, educational podcast around it because it's about standardized patients who are the people who help teach doctors how to work with a patient. So they're kind of like the crash test dummies for people in the medical field who are still learning. And we are going to be making a narrative podcast of that this year, which is really exciting. We have a couple of people we think might get to be in it from some TV shows that we love. And I am working on a short film. I haven't made one since 2020. So I'm very excited. And it's a sort of pirate rom-com in very similar, this is not Ace, but it's history we can't speculate, but possibly bisexual pirate women getting trapped on a ship together. Fantastic. That sounds great. And I can't wait to see it. And I was like, her, her audio sounds so, your, both of your audio sounds so wonderful. You must, you must have done podcasts before. <laughs> I have, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's this is a filmmaker's podcast, sharing the love with other projects. And as we talked about, crowdfunding is such a struggle that if there's anyone out there making a film that you know of, I love highlighting that. So Catherine, starting with you, is there like an indie filmmaker or film out there, either crowdfunding or not, that you wish more people knew about? I think people know about this film, but I think that more people could. It's called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's, I'm not going to say her name right, but Celine Sakama. And it is amazing because it tells a story that people would otherwise sort of be like, that's impossible with the time period in the production because I'm a big historic film girl myself in like one or two locations. And it does everything with such detail that it really lets you feel the time period and the story. And I think that she has some other films coming down the line soon that I think are just as effective with what the first that one was. 
that film is so gorgeous and I, I can't wait to see a rom-com if that uh, is sort of like <laughs> what you love because doesn't it just give you that sense of place? Like I, I just love everything about the shots and just like, it, it's such an addition when you have that sort of like beauty imbued in the film, like it adds so much to the writing, directing, acting. So that's a, that's a gorgeous selection. And Katrina, is, if there's a film out there that you wish more people knew about. One film that I know is crowdfunding right now. It's called You and I, You and Me. And it actually has a pretty big fan base already, but they're trying to raise a lot of money because it's a future film. They're trying to raise about $52,000. And this is a, it's a romance with about transgender characters in a rock band, and they're going to be making an original soundtrack and everything. It's written and directed by Gabe Dunn. So yeah, they've, they've got a lot of people interested, but they... Last I checked, they, they still have quite a ways to go to, to hit their goal. So I wanted to put a plug in for them. Awesome. I can't say enough great things about what you're doing. I think one of my favorite things in life are people willing to push boundaries and like go after goals, even though it's no, maybe nobody else has gone after them because it helps people get seen. It helps bring kindness into our world and it helps others maybe to go like, hey, you know, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. So, ladies, what you're doing is so inspiring and I think the film will be successful and I really look forward to watching a rom-com. Thanks for being on the First Time Go podcast with me. Yeah, thank you so much for, for inviting us on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go. Hey, hey, hey.